All right, good morning, and to all you fathers, happy Father's Day, and thank you for serving in this wonderful vacation, uh, vocation, not always a vacation, but uh, so today's Father's Day, and we've been receiving all of your questions in our Tough Questions series, and we love reading them, we love picking them out, and we love trying to answer them. So thank you for the questions you've already submitted, and thank you if you're about to submit another question, please do. So our questions for today going with our topic, how can I raise godly children? And our questions for today are two. The first one reads as follows. The saddest reality in today's world is a newborn coming into the world. How can a child today comprehend the sins of our generation and society? I understand that all the evil has existed for generations, but now have come to light as the media gains more control. The hardest part for a parent today is explaining to a child that all the changes in the world are heading down the wrong path. It's a good question and a good thing to be concerned about. Our next question reads as follows. In a society that is increasingly unaware of God's law and sin, how do we witness the need for a savior? Slander, adultery, lying, cheating, and other unacceptable behaviors that contradict God's word are becoming the norm. How best can the voice of God, via an equipped church, speak up and make a difference? Also, a good question. If you couldn't tell from these two questions, there's a trend here. There's a mindset that we live in a world that is declining in action, in moral value, in all sorts of ways. And if we turn on the news, what do we see? We see somebody's dying here. There's an accident here. Here's a murder. Here's a terrorist attack, whether it's on our home soil or overseas. And we think to ourselves, man, the world really is changing for the worse. And we also think that every generation that is born is born into a world that is off worse than the previous generation. And we can't help but to ask ourselves, how am I going to raise a child in this society, in this culture that is declining. And I'm sure you're sitting there hoping, oh, 23-year-old childless Michael, you finally cracked the code, please tell us. <laughs> We've been waiting. And I hate to disappoint, I haven't cracked the code, but I think that I have some things that I'd like to share with you that can be helpful and important when it comes to not only raising children, but equipping yourselves and one another and our neighbors to be faithful witnesses and to proclaim the gospel to the nations as we're called to do. So, the first thing, I've outlined three things. These are not the only three things. There are many things that we can do. But I thought these three ones were very important. And the first thing we can do to help our children is by teaching them at home. Now the bulk of all learning, especially that of Christian learning, takes place in the household from the parents. And now most of us, hopefully all of us, have Luther's small catechism in our house, laying around somewhere, maybe collecting dust. And a lot of us view it as the textbook to pass confirmation. And once we do that, well, we, we might not look at it as much. And some of us haven't looked at a catechism maybe in 
5, 10, 20, hopefully not 30 or 40 years, but there's always some cases. And now Luther said, in this catechism, in this preface, he said, I went out and the people did not understand the Christian faith. And so I've written this book, this guide, this manual to teach people the basics of what they should know about our Christian Lutheran faith and understanding. And it's a great tool for us to learn as well and to repeat. And as we look at the headings of the creed, baptism on communion, and on the Lord's Prayer, Luther includes a subheading for all of those, and it reads as such. As the head of the family should teach them in a simple way to his household. See, Luther understood that this learning needs to take place within the household, being taught by the head of the family, who is the father. Because our children learn from us. They learn a lot from us. And it makes me think of a country song that came out some years ago by Rodney Atkins called Watching You. And he describes his relationship with his four-year-old son. And in the beginning, he says he was driving in his truck with his kid in his booster seat with a happy meal. And all of a sudden, the red light flashes. And he slams on his brakes. And the meal and the drink go all over the kid's lap. He says, then my four-year-old said a four-letter word, and I started to become real concerned. And you go later in the song, and he's describing himself working around his house, and he makes a mistake, and he realizes a shortcoming in his life. And he says, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, please help me, Lord, please forgive me. And later that night, he tucks his four-year-old into bed, and he closes the door, and through the crack that he leaves open, he can hear his son praying. And he says he was speaking to God as if he was talking to a friend. And in both instances, whether it was the swearing in the car or the praying at home, he said, now son, where did you learn to talk like that and where did you learn to pray like that? He says, well, I've been watching you, dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo and I want to be like you. You see, we both love fixing things, and we both love holding Mama's hand, and we're just alike, ain't we, Dad? And I want to do everything you do, so I'll be watching you. So our kids learn good things from us, and they learn bad things from us all of the time. And I'm sure you have your own experiences with that as well. But along with that comes the fact that if kids never observe something, they'll also never learn it. Meaning that we can't equip our children with things that we never do, or things that we don't know, or things that we don't possess. That's why we need to be equipped ourselves if we want to equip our children. By reading scripture, by staying in the word, by rehashing the catechism, by leading a devotional life. See, if we can't explain to our Baptist friend why we baptize children, and they don't, it's time to refresh our memory. If we don't know why we don't commune with the Catholic Church down the road, it's probably time to refresh our knowledge. And if a friend or a coworker who might be a non-believer, an atheist, brings up a piece of scripture that they either have a question on or that they're challenging, and we don't understand the scripture either, or we say, you know, to be honest, I've never heard that part of scripture. 
maybe it's time to get into the word more. And so we need to sharpen one another and sharpen ourselves so that we can equip our children. And they learn from watching us. So in the book of James, it says, if we have faith, but we don't have any works and we produce no fruit, then our faith must be dead. And if our children see us say that we have faith, but they never see us doing works and they never see us serving or bearing fruit, then what are the chances that our children will grow up with a dead faith? If we only love those who love us and we only greet those who greet us, like in the gospel today, then our children will look at us and say, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just what everybody does. And what are the chances that they don't love those who don't love them in return? And that they don't reach out to those who are not in their own circles. And if we walk with our children past a homeless person and they address us, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me, sir. And we don't look at them or we look at the ground or away or we start a conversation with our child to distract from what just happened. What are the chances that our children are going to grow up and stop and take the time to talk with that person? to pray with that person, to serve that person, and to treat him as a human being and a child of God. Our children are watching us, and we need to be an example. And when we teach them these things at home and in our lives, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to be old, staunch, Scandinavian, bearded theologians who write tons of books and know everything. Because we have resources like Scripture and the Lutheran Study Bible. We have the simple catechism. We have devotions whether online or printed, available to us all the time. We just need to get the wheel rolling and watch our family and our spiritual life take off. Now, the second point I'd like to make is that we should teach our children and those we want to equip the wrong things as well. Now, we can teach our children the Christian Lutheran perspective on life in middle-class Rochester Hills. And that'll be great, and they can know that front to back. But we need to teach them not to do wrong things or to believe wrong things, but to know about wrong things as well. Because there are so many other denominations, so many other religions, so many other cults and beliefs and behaviors and actions that they could pursue that they need to know about. And we need to introduce them to those. You see... If our kids never hear about those things, and all of a sudden they grow up and they leave the house, or they go to college, or they have a job, and they are introduced to a new different circle of friends, and they're introduced to all of these new belief systems and actions and practices and ways in life to go, they might think to themselves, you know what? Why haven't I never done this before? Why haven't I believed this before? This is so easy and simple. It's probably only because I've never heard of it. But now that I know it, this is great. And they might venture off, and unfortunately, they won't return sometimes. But if we can send our children off into the world where they encounter these different beliefs and actions and religions, and they can say, yeah, I've heard about that, and I know about this as well, and I know exactly why I don't do these things, and I know why I don't believe them either, then we've done our job as teachers, as parents, and as a church. 
You see, Proverbs 22 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we don't just teach our own path, the path of God, the way towards eternal life in Christ, but we teach about the other ones as well, so that when they become adults, they don't just put their head down and they say, you know what, this is the path I'm going because that's what I was taught. They'll say, yeah, I know about this path and that path, and I would be crazy to walk either of those ways. I will stand here with God, and I will walk on this path with Christ towards eternal life, and nothing will veer me off of it. So that they can make that discernment even without you, when they move out or when they survive you, with their own reason and judgment and knowledge and faith. And when we do these things, and when we introduce children and our neighbors to these things, they'll be tempted. They'll be struggling with their faith. They will doubt, and they will wrestle, and they will give in to temptation, and they will fail. And we always want to prevent that for our children. But we can't always do it, because they're human. They're sinful, just like us. And just as we struggle and stumble, they will as well. But we have the opportunity to teach them to struggle and to stumble in an environment that is safe, in a constructive manner where they can struggle and still lay that struggle and that failure at the foot of the cross, where they have hope, faith, forgiveness, and life eternal in Jesus Christ, just as their parents do. See, here at St. John's, we're not about protecting people. We're not about protecting our children from the world or from the public school system. We're here to equip people. We're here to equip our children so that when they leave, they are witnesses who can function in the world and make disciples and preach the gospel no matter what situation they're in. Because that's what we're called to do. My third point for today is that we need to break the barrier between ourselves and this culture today. When we talk about these issues, or when we read about them or see them, we make this separation in our minds that there's this bad culture where all of these terrible things happen, and here am I, and I'm good because I don't do these things. And I go to church, and I live in a good community where these things don't happen as much. But this barrier that we create is completely artificial. It's completely synthetic, and it doesn't exist because all of us are part of society. I am, Pastor Mark is, you are all part of this culture. This church is part of the culture simply by the fact that we're in it, that we live in this country and in this society. And all of the sins that are happening outside, I'll read them to you Again, as they're posed in the question, slander, adultery, lying, cheating, and other unacceptable behaviors that are becoming the norm. These are all things that happen inside the church because you and I are all committing these things. We are not exempt from them. We are part of them. And if we say that we are not part of the culture, we're deceiving ourselves and we fall into sin and we do the exact same thing as Jesus describes in Luke chapter 18. He says, two men approach the synagogue. 
one of them being a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, and the other one being a tax collector. So the Pharisee stands up and he starts to pray in a loud voice, Lord, thank you for not making me a wretched sinner like this tax collector here. Meanwhile, the tax collector is on his knees, humbly praying to God, Lord, please have mercy on me, a poor sinner. Jesus says that in that day, the tax collector was closer to the kingdom of God than even the Pharisee was. And how much better are we than this Pharisee if we look at the culture and we say, Lord, thank you so much for not making me part of this sinful culture. I'm not a murderer or a liar, and I don't slander, and I don't cheat on my spouse, and I don't commit to a path of life that goes against your will. Thank you. We're doing the exact same thing, and we're no different than the Pharisee. Because we are sinners ourselves who live among sinners. Now, some of you might think it's a bad thing that we're part of this sinful culture. But I don't. And I don't think you should think that either. Because as we're part of this culture, we have the opportunity to affect it and to change it and to influence it as well. Because change never comes from outside of a culture or a society. It only comes from within. You see, Jesus didn't show up in the Middle East from somewhere else and say, hey, Jewish people, I'm not Jewish myself, but I've got some really great ideas to overhaul your entire belief system. So what do you say? And Paul didn't go off on his missionary journeys and preach as an outsider to change people. He said, to the Jews, I was a Jew, and to the Greeks, I became a Greek, and I became whatever I needed to for the sake of the gospel. And we need to do the same thing, and we can do the same thing as members of this society and of this culture. You see, the world needs us. It needs our children. And it needs us both to be properly equipped. Because this world is hurting, and it's lying in sin. And while it's doing so, it is crying out, and it is lashing out, as we see every day on the news and in our lives. And so we need to love them and to serve them as best as possible and as best equipped as possible. You see, the idea that you can keep yourself or your family or your child protected from all of these things outside is absurd. At least it is to the idea of discipleship and Christian witness. Jesus said that when we become his disciples, we become fishers of men. But how many fish have you ever caught standing on the shore? None. Because if we will make disciples of men, we need to get into the boat. We need to struggle with the waves and the wind, laboriously casting our nets and drying them back in, exhausting ourselves in witness for the sake of the gospel, and returning home with the fruits of our work and labor, knowing very well that some days we will return empty-handed. You see, we have to get out there, because there are some people who have never heard the gospel, 
who have never and will never read the Bible and who won't come into church, which is why we have to, in our lives, in our actions, in our interactions with them, be their Bible. If they won't come to church, we have to bring the church to them. And if we think that we can keep the gospel contained to these four walls, then we're fooling ourselves. We need to take it outside. We need to let the gospel off the leash. And we need to let it accomplish the purpose that God has set out for it with confidence and with good faith. And our children need to do the same as we break down that barrier. In summary and conclusion, the three things that I would suggest that you do is teach at home. Not just in the walls of your home, but teach as the head of the family within the family. Because if we teach only at home and in the church, that is all the Christian witness our children will think to apply at home and at church. But rather, anywhere we go, anytime we have the opportunity in all walks of life, when God gives us an opportunity to teach our children, take it. So that they will grow up to know the Christian witness in all aspects of their life. Introduce them to things that are foreign, to things that are wrong, and teach them in a well-rounded, constructive way so that they know right is right and wrong is wrong and exactly why, and they can defend their position to themselves and to others. And then break down the barrier, because we are members of culture, and our children need to be as well. Well-equipped, ready to witness. And remember that our kids are watching us all of the time, and they will do what you do. So in order to equip your children, you need to set an example for them. And after time, you will be amazed what faithful witnesses your children might grow into with the help of God. So when we go back to our questions and we ask, how do we explain to a child the changes that are happening in this world and that they're heading down the wrong path? We do it by actually explaining the changes to them, by having a grasp on different viewpoints, by staying knowledgeable on contemporary issues and being prepared, as Peter said, to give an answer for our faith despite them. And in a society of slander, adultery, lying, and cheating, and unacceptable behavior, how do we as a church speak up and make a difference? We do it by staying sharp and equipped ourselves because this society is just like a huge pile of wood that as it commits to sin and destruction is drying up in the sun and it will become, it will come to a point where it will be hurting and in pain and realizing the need for the gospel, for a savior. And in that moment, God will use us as his work, as his workmanship and his hands and feet. And he will use us as a match with his gospel to set fire to this nation and our neighbors and our culture in faith towards his purpose. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the, for the wonderful gift of our faith that you've given us. Please strengthen us in our faith and in our knowledge and in our witness to others so that we can equip 
our children and our neighbors and one another as we go out to witness and to preach the gospel to all nations as, as you have commanded us. Keep us in our faith and keep us on your path with proper discernment and with proper knowledge so that we may walk with you on the one true path to life eternal through Jesus Christ. In Christ's name we pray with the Holy Spirit. Amen.